me that you went home and swiped a ball that was signed by Babe Ruth, and you brought it out here and actually played with it and actually played with it? Yeah! Are you one of those people that has to know how much the Babe Ruth ball is actually worth? I was going to bring it back, but it was signed by Babe Ruth! Yeah, you keep telling me that. Who is she? We'll keep it right here, because today is your lucky day. The Sultan of Clouds. King of Crash. The Colossus of Clouds. The Colossus of Clouds. It's time for Sports Collecting with Tom Morgan, sponsored by ERC Delivery and Huggins and Scott Auctions. The Great Bambino! Happy Saturday morning. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Clemeni of ERC Delivery, Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions, and our producer Tyler Rocky. We're on every Saturday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. Central Time. What a weekend it is this weekend. We've got Juneteenth today, Father's Day weekend. We've got the U.S. Open Golf Tournament, Game 7s of NBA playoffs coming, I think, both days this weekend. Baseball's in full swing. So if your Father's Day gift is to veg out in front of sports all weekend, you're all set. I think you could probably do uh, the full, like a 12 hour in a row type thing, both days, if you really, if you really wanted to. So it's he a great week. wrong with that, Tom. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm saying. That's a great father's day weekend. Now Vince won't be with us today. He promises he'll be back next week, but this is a kind of important event that Vince is doing today. He's a mentor sponsor for a kids golf foundation event which should just be starting now at Rich Harvest Farms. Vince tells me that Bo Jackson will also be there, as well as several other local sports celebrities and other area business owners. And the way he understands it, each foursome will have two kids in it and then a business owner and a sports celebrity. So it's kind of a cool thing that Vince does there. And uh, we'll have to hear how his golfing, <laughs> how his golfing went. It, it looks like the weather's gonna give, gonna be a break here, not too bad. So it should be a good morning for golf for those guys. I think Rich Harvest Farms is in Sugar Grove, which isn't too far from here, actually. So Vince is rolling on that. That that makes me think now. There's some great Chicago athletes signed items in the summer Huggins and Scott auction. There's a 1961 Stanley Cup champions Chicago Blackhawks multi-signed commemorative jersey with Hall of Famers Bobby Hall, Makita, Bill Hay, Pierre Palat, and Glenn Hall, plus guys like Chico Mackey and Eric Nesterenko, $200 minimum bid. I, I was looking up Bobby Hall with the Blackhawks from 1957 through the 71-72 seasons. 1,036 games. He had 604 goals and 549 assists. In 116 playoff games, he had 62 goals and 67 assists. He had 30 hat tricks for the Hawks, and he led the NHL in goals seven years for the Blackhawks. So people kind of forget how great of a player Bobby was. Well, a lot of people are never saw him play, I guess, the older people. Anybody who, who grew up in the Chicago area in the 60s, though, knows who Bobby Hull is, and, and he was awesome to watch. 
Now, speaking of awesome, we have a caller on the line here. Uh, Tim, are you with us? Hello, Tim. Hello. Hey, good Tim? morning. How are you? Hey, good. This is Tim, correct? Yes, sir. Hey, tell us uh, tell us what, what your call's in regards to this morning, Tim. Sure. I just wanted to kind of let you and everybody know about my Signatures for Soldiers program. Uh, back in November of 2014, I started um, reaching out to to players, asking them to sign some items for me, knowing that I'd turn around and I would sell them. And 100% of the money, not just the proceeds, but 100% of the money goes to a charity called Military Missions in Action. Cool. They're a registered 501c3. They do home repairs and home remodels for disabled veterans while also Ooh. supporting uh, um, homeless veterans. So I've uh, been at it since November 2014. Uh, last week, we just passed $100,000 in total funds raised for them. And with the upcoming National Sports Collectors Convention in Rosemont there, we have been named the charity partner for the national. So we'll be there set up and have an auction going on as well. Oh, very cool. So, and it's under, so there'll be uh, signatures for soldiers is is the name of the charity. Yeah. Yeah. Signatures for soldiers is the uh, project, if you will, that that I spearhead. And um, since we've been doing it, uh, we have, been um, named the official fundraising arm for Military Missions in Action, which is the charity. So any donations to Military Missions in, or donations to Signatures for Soldiers, whether they're whether it's monetary or otherwise, um, is uh, is tax deductible because we fall under their 501c3. Are you headquartered in the Chicago area? No, no. Actually, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. So, oh, okay. oh. <laughs> yeah, yes. So I'll be I'll be making the trip up from St. Petersburg up to the Chicago area there in, in less than six weeks. Okay. Now, I, for instance, I have a box, one of those one row vault boxes that has, I I, I think it's mostly football autographed cards. It's full, but it, most of them aren't that good. You know, some of them mm-hmm. never made it. Some of them made it for a while. Do you right. take stuff like that? Like, I mean, if, if people wanted to donate it to you, do you take it and sell it, or are you looking more for high end stuff? What do you What are you looking for for your? <laughs> so, um, so really, I started it off literally selling cards for you know two three dollars a piece once they mm-hmm. were signed, and um, you know we've hit the hundred thousand dollar mark, and uh, I think we're at one hundred and five thousand now. Um, and it has literally been, you know, two dollars here, three dollars there, five dollars here, you know, that type of thing. Um, it hasn't been, you know, one hundred, one thousand dollar items. Um, yeah. So yeah. So so it, you know, my philosophy is, is you know, if it will raise one dollar, I'll take it um, because it's you know like. It adds up very quickly, and and I think people have seen that. And over the last near seven years, um, signatures for soldiers has become more than just fundraising. Um, it, it's really become a community of of individuals that just kind of come together, who want to do something, want to make a difference, and have you know 
have just realized that you know a dollar here a dollar there adds up very quickly um when you when you put it all together and uh and and can really make a difference in the lives of disabled veterans and homeless veterans well it's a great uh great idea i i, I can't believe you came up with that it's awesome <laughs> if when you come into the chicago area you want to stop by my shop, I'll give you a box of this stuff. If it benefits you at all, if it's out of your way and you don't want to, if I can make it, I'll drop it off to you at at, okay. I, at the National, but I'm not 100% sure I'm going to be yeah. able to make it, you know, because I got the shop those days. But great yeah, idea. Yeah. Now, how, how do people get in touch with you if they want to ship you something or meet you at the National or whatever? How, how, do, you, how do they get in touch with you? Um, on social media, um, I'm on Twitter. It's at SIGS, S-I-G-S, the number four, Soldiers. Uh, on Facebook, if you just search Signatures for Soldiers, I have a Facebook page there. Um, either way, you can message me there. Or if you're not on social media and you want to send me an email, uh, easiest way to email me is Signatures for Soldiers, all spelled out, at yahoo.com. All right. Well, very good. And, and uh, uh, congratulations on such a great thing you came up with. And uh, I wish you nothing but success. And hopefully I can get you a couple of things that might help a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for right. having me on and letting me talk about this and, and just kind of continuing to spread the word. Well, it's awesome. And, and then uh, that should be great at the National. You'll be hopefully they'll have you on some of their promo ads their sheets and things that you'll be on that you'll be there yep Yep, absolutely we're uh we're actually finalizing the press release and and other things like that um we'll have signage up as far as where people can find us um you know we're we'll be set up closer to the uh tristar autograph pavilion so um so we're going to have lots of signage up so hopefully it won't be too hard for people to find us All right. Well, thanks for the call, Tim, and great info. Congrats, and keep it going. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. That's pretty cool, Bill. Now, Huggins and Scott is going to be set up at the National also, correct? Oh, yeah. I'd be happy if Tim stopped by our booth to give him an item or whatever for his cause and everything. Yeah, very good. And I'll tell you. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get quite a number of donations from the dealers in that room. You got a lot of veterans in that room. Yeah. Dealers now and stuff like that. So I think a great cause like that, the, our national couldn't be a better venue for him to gather some really neat items to, to sell to raise money for. I think he's going to, I think he's going to rack it in at that. I think that's awesome. And, and what a, what a great thing they're doing. I mean, for disabled veterans to, I mean, to, that's one of the best causes you could possibly come up with. So I think that's great. Now, is Americana Steve with you today, Bill? Morning, Tom. Hey, Americana Steve. How's it going? I was just looking at uh, last night. I I sent in some lots, you know, for the summer auction of, of comic books. And I was looking, I think you had over 30 lots of comic books already listed for the summer auction is that right or was i seeing double or triple or something no you're right and and actually we were hoping to get some more in there we're really just piled up to the ceiling everywhere with stuff but we're we're doing our best to get everything in there and it's going to be a big auction 
it's going to be some uh, there's uh, some unbelievably good stuff already in there and i'm sure there's more to follow if if you're listening out there if you just if you're if you need some time to kill and you want to search huggins and scott.com just searching for through those things they got different categories all different ways you can search it's just amazing what some of the stuff that you find and for instance even like if you look for oddball stuff i was looking for trying to find something a little bit different because i'm a little bit odd so <laughs> here's a here's a thing i found a 1950s jackie robinson daily dime bank 250 dollar minimum bed now now Tyler, here's a chance for you to pick up a point, okay, on your own. You haven't been there every week for the witch ended higher. Here's a chance. Now, I'm even going to give you a clue on this one. Ten cents in 1951 is equal to about how much money today? I'll give you a hint. It's under $5, and you have to finish within 20 cents of what it is in order to get a point. So, Tyler, the pressure is on. 10 cents in 1951 is equal to what value today? I'm going to go with $3.50. Do you have a buzzer that you could play right now? Not handy, no. <laughs> okay. It's a dollar four t- today. So it's about oh. 10 times roughly what it was in 1951. I don't know if I would have guessed that or not. I don't think I would have. I guess 410, so I was worse than Tyler. Oh. <laughs> right now, Americana Steve is saying, oh, yeah, I would say it a dollar four if you'd asked me. But, uh... <laughs> hey, Americana Steve, you. Since uh, Vince isn't here and Nancy Huggins isn't going to be here, if you want to join in on the uh, Which Ended Higher this week, you can. Um, Maybe we can have, if you get it right, maybe that'll go towards Vince because he's missed so many. But it's up to you if you want to do it or not. Sure. I th- and there's no comic book, so it won't be an unfair type thing. Oh, I was going to say, if it was all comic books, yeah. Vince is loving it. <laughs> yeah, Vince is going, go, Americana Steve, yeah. <laughs> oh, here's another. Now, this, I'm making a 1964 Topps baseball set, so here's something unusual that's in the Huggins and Scott auction that I think would be really cool to have. 1964 Topps baseball lot of 74 items it includes an empty display box the the boxes that the packs came in five wrappers and 68 of the tops coins including mickey mantle amaze all-star koufax lou brock ron santo warren spahn willie mccovey brooks robinson a lot of hall of famers in that group uh, I think everyone I mentioned there, that's actually a Hall of Famer. $250 minimum bid on that stuff. So if you're if you're making a top set, you might want to kind of add that onto it. You know, when in the past, Bill, when people have had sets and they include like wrappers or an empty box when they auction the set, seems to help the set value quite a bit just for oh, it's sure. all cool. the little Yeah, the little accoutrements that go with it, they make the whole package, you know, that's kind of. 
candles and icing on a cake. So. Yeah, it really is. It it just makes it fun, more fun to collect it too. If you get all that that additional secondary stuff with it, so <laughs> I think stuff like that is pretty cool. Now, here's some other items that are in for the Huggins and Scott auction. Let's see now. There's a Bird Magic 1980 Tops rookie card, the card with Dr. J, PSA 9. You don't see 9s very often on that card with that serration in there. $5,000 minimum bid on that. I didn't look up the uh, the count on that, but I would imagine there's very few 9s, and I, don't, I wonder if there even are 10s of that card. From PSA, there are some tens, but not there many. are, huh? Wow, that's amazing. That's going to go for some bucks, and then this is going to do real well too. 1996 Topps Chrome basketball, unopened, factory sealed box. So that's got the chance for like the Kobe Topps Chrome rookie refractor. Any of the good rookies that are in there, there's Iverson. Ray Allen's in there, Nash. That's a great rookie class. And then, of course, you can get Jordan cards in there. That's gonna, that has a $5,000 minimum bid. It'll be interesting to see what that ends up going for. The unopened stuff, I, I, I mean, it's just like the sky's the limit on that stuff. It, even as things have, have gone along, it's like more recently, it's still just going great guns the unopened where you can get the good stuff in it yeah no i we that that box from what uh everybody told me about it it should sell for 40 50 60,000 dollars wow that's amazing now just think at our shops at that time how many of them would we have gotten you know yeah, I mean? for 118 bucks. Yeah, <laughs> right. They were, and you could reorder them. Like if if I yeah. got them in on Wednesday, Thursday afternoon, I'd call the distributor and say, "Hey, I need another dozen boxes." Okay, you'll have them tomorrow. Yeah. You know, it's not like that right now. It is starting to ease off and get get a little easier to get products now for the shop. Hopefully, things are coming a little bit more reasonable. You know. John Drummond's going to be, John Drummond loves golf, and he's going to be talking a little bit about the, uh, the the history of the U.S. Open when he joins us at after the first break. But I wanted to give an update here. The leaderboard for the U.S. Open, okay, no, we have like 85 guys in our fantasy golf. Tied for first, Richard Bland, who no one picked, and Russell Henley, who one guy picked. Now, Russell Henley, when we picked, he was, I think, tied for first at the time, but only one person. Guess who it was, Bill, who picked it? It wasn't me. It was Vince. Oh, it, got, it had to be Vince, right? Vince, yeah. Now, I picked Usti, my guy, Luis Oosthausen, and he's actually tied for third, only one shot behind with Wolfie. Matthew Wolf had disappeared for a while. All of a sudden, he's back tied for second. And then the most guys picked Rom. 27 people picked Rom. I think 16 picked my guy, Oosthausen, and Bubba hmm. Watson. So I, it, those majors are always fun to watch when you get on the Sunday on the back nine, if, if it's close and you got some big names in it. And it's even oh, yeah. better It's even better when 
your guy in fantasy is one of those guys going for it. So, well, we'll see what John Drummond has to to say after the break. It's time for the break now. So, right after will be which ended higher, and then following that, we'll have take calls again. So, I'll give you out the number after which ended higher. But hang in there. We'll be right back. Now back to Sports Collecting with Tom Morgan. Sponsored by ERCDelivery.com and Huggins and Scott Auctions on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Clemente of ERC Delivery, Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions, our producer Tyler Aki, also Americana Steve with us this week. And we're now going to be joined by, well, we won't have Nancy Huggins with us this week, but she seems pretty confident from what Bill tells me that she can still win this, even missing a week or two. I'm not going to say anything about that. I'm just reporting (laughs) what I heard. And John Drummond now joins us. John Drummond, the U.S. Open golf tournament's going on this week. You bet it's to to many people. That's the big kahuna. A lot of people think of tournament golf as the Masters, but this baby is the national championship. It's gone back as far as started in 1895. The Masters, of course, started in the 30s. And a lot of people don't realize how many tournaments have been held in Chicago. But Dinah's had three of them. The last one there, Hale Irwin won. The uh, one at Olympia Fields, Jim Furyk won. And then you had three at the uh, Chicago Golf Club in Wheaton. You had one at uh, North Shore in Glenview. You had two in Midlothian. Mm. And a couple more on Wednesday. And uh, I think uh, Skokie Country Club. But the one unique about uh, North Shore was the last amateur to win the U.S. Open was a guy by the name of Johnny Goodman. That was in 1933. Wow. That happened right out at the North Shore Country Club in Glenview. But... Palmer had a great Arnold Palmer had a great deal to do repopularizing the Open because of his great victory in 1960 at Cherry Hills Country Club in Denver. He came from behind. He had a, a exciting play. He went for birdies. The people loved him, and he became a numero uno. Even though he himself began to lose a few tournaments, lost to Nicholas at a playoff in the Open, lost another playoff in '63, and in '66 he got beat by Bill Casper. So he had problems winning the Open. He only won one. And I interviewed him. Shortly after he lost uh, to um, to um, Nicholas in 1962, at that time he uh, was confident, though, he would win some more U.S. Opens. It wasn't that way. And incidentally, to show you how popular he was, I did this interview at the Freeport Country Club in Freeport, Illinois. He was a guest there to play an 18-hole exhibition round and also speak to the uh, membership. When he came into that into that dining room to speak... I thought MacArthur just returned from Korea, or if, it, or, or if you've been in the Soviet Union when Stalin talked to the Central Committee, everybody stood and it was stormy applause. I thought, second coming of the Lord. So to get an interview with him was a coup, because we were not network people. But anyway, he was the guy that brought it back. He was a very, he, just, he is deceased now, but of course an exciting player to watch. And I think he succeeded Ben Hogan in that sense. Up until that, Ben Hogan was really numero uno with most people as far as the U.S. Open was concerned. And what people forget today, and I'm going back now to the 50s, that in that in those days they would play only three days. This third day was eight was 36 holes. And Ben Hogan got in this terrific, terrific uh, bus accident in the 1940, late 40s. And a lot of question was whether he's going to play golf again, whether he'd walk. But he did that, came back and won tournaments, including the British Open and the U.S. Open. But this was his swan song. He was leading that tournament at the Olympic Lakeside course in, in, in San Francisco. I was I saw that tournament. 
And you could see that on that Saturday, he was having a hard time getting in because of those legs were really going on him. And out of nowhere, a guy by the name of Jack Fleck, who was a, a teaching pro, if you can call that, ran a driving range in Damport, Iowa, tied him. And the next day, uh, Fleck won the, the the playoff over Hogan. It was no question about that. Hogan was in such bad shape. He's lucky to play 18 holes, could finish 18 holes of golf well enough to beat the other guy. And incidentally, one other thing on the Open, when you make predictions, remember a lot of long shots that come through. I can name guys like Tony Monero, Sam Parks, Lou Graham, and others I bet you never, never heard of. I haven't, and they won the Open. So don't put all your money in one basket. But I'm, if I had to put somebody put a gun in my head, I said this before it started, John Ram is the guy I'm talking with. And you mentioned there's 26 guys in that fantasy league who also has picked uh, Ram to win it. Am I correct? Yes, and Vince and I are hoping he tanks. <laughs> well, well, we're looking forward to playing Vince today, but uh, he'll have to be here for the British Open. That's the last last chance he can come and, and tell what the, tell our listeners what to do. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Like I said, he's got uh, Russell Henley, who's tied for first with a guy that I've never heard of, Richard Bland, but I guess he's from... 48-year-old Englishman, that's right. Yeah. And that's the type of guy these guys unknowns win it quite a bit. That's not yeah. that incredible. Now, so by we'll the way, I tweeted a picture of you interviewing uh, Arnold Palmer, the one that your son sent me. Great picture. You could tell you guys are outside. A great picture of the two of you. I tweeted it earlier in the week. T-Crown Tom is my Twitter ID if anybody wants to see John Bulldog Drummond interviewing Arnold Palmer in the, that was what, around 63 maybe? It was 1963. Palmer yeah. was in his heyday. We both had with the shirts, you know, it was, uh, he was getting ready to play the exhibition. It was at the Freeport Country Club and getting that interview was a coup. At that time, he had a guy by the name Mark McCormick was his agent. So he didn't uh. just come up to Arnie and say, hey, could we talk to you? He had to go through McCormick. It was, at, it was the first of the sports agents. Uh, yeah. And he made it look like I was trying to rob the Bank of England, for God's sake. But he finally allowed me to have a couple of minutes with Palmer. That's all. Yeah. Palmer was a hard guy to reach because he was, everybody wanted to talk to him. Yeah, he was definitely popular. Well, that's very cool. And, and your Ben Hogan story kind of reminds me of Tiger Woods right now. A lot of people, he's, he's people have made parallels to that. That's correct. Yeah, he came back, injuries. although he's, uh, Hogan was younger at the time than Woods is now. And I think Woods' injuries, maybe, I don't know, maybe they're severe. But they, they didn't think Hogan was going to walk. He and his wife were in a car, and they got T-boned, I think, by a greyhound or vice versa, whatever it was. Uh-huh. And it was a question whether he would live and survive. But he came back. Not only walked, but won several big tournaments, including the British Open, the U.S. Open, and uh, a couple others at that time. So that was a tremendous comeback. And that 1960 game, by the way, when Palmer won it in Denver, that was his uh, – that was actually – Hogan had one more chance, one more fling at the Open, but uh, Palmer came roaring back and edged him out, and Hogan never won anything after that at all. Well, hopefully Tiger Woods can make a similar comeback. That would be and something, now- wouldn't it? That would be incredible. Speaking of comebacks, you're going to have to make one in which ended higher, John. Oh, I'm afraid of that. You got me on the floor <laughs> half the time on those. Oh, we have to play that today. I thought with Nancy and Vince gone, I could get but sneak out without playing today, but I guess yeah, not. <laughs> I, it sounded like if, if the way Bill told me the story, it sounds like Nancy Huggins is pretty confident that even though she misses last week and this week, She's still got a stranglehold on it, so you guys got to come through. Now, oh, he puts Steve, up pressure on me. Yeah. Tyler's going to be in the ring, isn't he, too, as well? Tyler, yeah. Right now, it's Nancy has seven. The Tyler-Eric combo has five. John has four. And Vince has two. So, Americana Steve is going to be playing for Vince today. All so right, we'll, that's fair enough. 
we'll let Americana Steve pick first. But, John, do you want to include all five items, or do you want to pick a number and delete one? So by picking a number, I send one to the showers, correct? Yes. That's what we've always done. All right, let's, let's send number four to the showers today. Number four. This is kind of, This is an interesting item. 1956 All-Star Sports Night multi-sign program with Jackie Robinson and Desi Arnaz. I, I don't know for sure, but I imagine there's not a lot of items that those two guys both signed. And that went for $1,400. And here's a hint for everybody that wouldn't have been the highest selling item in this group. Okay, go. so here's the items. First item, Lou Gehrig, 1929 R316 Cash and Publications card graded SGC3 on a scale of 1 to 10. Next item, manager Jimmy Fox, pencil signed 1952 Fort Wayne Daisies versus South Bend Blue Sox game scorecard. It's a pencil signature graded a 7 to 8, so it's pretty good. Let me be about this. Was that you say Jimmy Fox? He was managing one of those uh, minor league teams. Yeah, the guy. Boston well, Red no, Sox this Fox. wasn't. This was the the ladies' league. Oh, the, he is, was okay. He was in like okay. Yeah, he was the manager of that. I didn't so know he that. signed it in pencil. A nice signature. The scorecard is just in good condition. So a pretty pretty nice scorecard, but not great condition. Next item, nineteen thirty Chicago Cubs. Schedule fan. We got some unusual items today. Now, this one, this is from the year that Hack Wilson's RBI record uh, during that year. It's seven and a quarter inches by nine inches in very good condition. It has a bear holding a bat and it says, Fan the Cubs to victory. So, back in those days, they used to hand that out because so people could fan themselves on a hot day during a game so kind of a cool unusual item and then here's the last item willie may's 1950s contact proof original type one photo by jacobellis i think you pronounce it pretty famous that some of his photos lots of his photos were used in uh cards for to the pictures on sports cards so, Americana Steve, are you following? Are you tracking? Do you have a pick for which ended higher of those items? Well, <clears throat> well, um, <clears throat> there's a lot of good history involved there. I think that Fox thing is really neat. Well, I'm going to go with the Mays photo. Okay, Americana Steve picks the Willie Mays 1950s contact-proof original Type 1 photo. Yeah, Let's I like see being the- wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Next is John Drummond. What's your pick? Well, I always go down in flames, but I'm going to be at Maverick again today. I'm going to take uh, not the uh, not the Jimmy Fox one, but what, <laughs> I got a, a metal block here. What was the other one in there you mentioned? The, one, <laughs> I, the I, Cubs. The Cubs. The, fan? Yeah, the nineteen the nineteen thirty scorecard. Believe it or not, I think in Chicago that would have been a hot item. I think it would have. The year well, the, well, the scorecard. Well, the scorecard was the one signed by Jimmy Fox. The Cubs fan wasn't a scorecard. It was like a a handle on a cardboard fan with the Cub that they could wave to cool themselves off. So those are two 
different ones. The 19- I'm still. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go with the Northsiders. I'm taking the Cubs thing on that. The Cubs fan with the heck from Heck Wilson's record. That's right. <laughs> okay. And then finally, we've got Tyler. What's your pick? I will go with the Jimmy Fox item. Tyler's going with the Jimmy Fox. All right. Very good. Now let's go in reverse order. So Americana Steve, if the lowest item was the winner, you'd be, you'd have won. (laughs) But unfortunately for you and Vince, it isn't that way. The Willie Mays 1950s contact proof original type one photo went for $1,100. Next highest, no one picked it. And it was good that you didn't is the Lou Gehrig. 1929 R316 cash and publications card SG3 high bid of $1,200. So it's going to be either Tyler or John Drummond that win. I, I'm play, a drum roll just started playing in my head. <laughs> John, okay. you're in the finals here. That's in, unbelievable, isn't it? I know. Yes. I'm a, a, well, a big timer now. I'm a big timer. Not a palooka anymore. The second best item is. Jimmy Fox pencil signed Fort Wayne Daisies, which means John Drummond won this week. I don't believe it. There's some haywire there. Okay, but I'll take (laughs) it. (laughs) When's the parade? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Father's Day weekend, and John Drummond is a winner. So that moves John Drummond up into a tie with Tyler and Eric with five. Nancy has seven. And Vince sticks at two. We're going to have to give Vince a, a, a potential a quiz next week for, <laughs> for that. Now, John Drummond, if you want to stick around, you can. It's up to you for the final uh, episode, the final segment, since Vince isn't on with us. But All right, I'll a- stick around. Maybe I'll have something to say about the Bears there that I've been thinking about. Yeah, I'll, I'll okay, hang around. Okay, very good. All right, well, it's a time for a short break now. The number is 312-332-3776. If you have a question for any of us about the value of an item or just want to make a comment about anything collectibles related, give us a call. We're on till late. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Now back to Sports Collecting with Tom Morgan. Sponsored by ERCDelivery.com and Huggins and Scott Auctions on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back. I'm Tom Morgan with Vince Clemente of ERC Delivery, Bill Huggins of Huggins and Scott Auctions, and our producer, Tyler Rocky. We're on every Saturday morning from 7 to 8. Vince isn't with us today. He's a mentor sponsor for a Kids Golf Foundation event going on this morning at Rich Harvest Farms. I guess uh, Bo Jackson's also there, as well as several other local Sports celebrities and other business uh, owners from the area. I'm predicting Vince gets one birdie with a near hole-in-one. Almost gets a hole-in-one, three pars, but he still struggles to a 103. (laughs) So we'll see what he ends up with at the tournament today. Now, John Drummond, uh, I got a, a message through Twitter a question for you. Yes, sir. Uh, Dennis from Phoenix just f- had just finished watching a documentary on the beginnings of the LPGA called The Founders. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you ever, are you familiar with some of uh, the early 
Uh, ladies well, I'm going to tell you something. Like this Bates, is gospel, uh, too. I'm going to tell you right now. When I worked in Rockford at uh, Channel 13 there, we okay. carried the first time that anybody carried, network and otherwise, carried an L- GP, uh, LPGA tournament live. Oh, really? Uh, it, was, it was 1961 they did that. And uh, Louise Rawls, I think, wanted to, all those stars were there at that time. We did that at the Mactown Golf Course in Rockton. I think people have heard of Rockton lately because of the uh, chemical plant there that burned. Oh, the yeah. Last week, same yeah. place. Yeah. Oh, huh. So yeah, we carried the station very aggressive there. The guy just would be a great gimmick, and the LPGA, oh, they went wild about it, that they're going to get some media coverage like that because the regular networks, most, you know, they had this high, you know, they they're not, they didn't raid with the with the regular tournament with the men guys. So they really came to the fore there. It was, uh, it was interesting. Oh, very good. That was yeah. who carried it locally, that it was not network. That was the local carrier. By carried it all, we didn't go for a whole. I'm talking about the last hour, on the last couple hours. That's what I mean yeah. we did, which was pretty unique. It really was. So, you know. so they weren't televised at the time, typically. At that time, they would, no, to my knowledge, and going back now, that would be of, <clears throat> back to 1960-61, the LPGA was not, I don't think they were televising those at all, because they boasted at the station there that this is the first time that live, that, they, that anybody had carried the, one of their tournaments live. Oh, very cool. Whether that's gospel or not, that's what they claimed anyway. Yes. It's a good story, that's for sure. So, Now, did you happen to notice, you guys, that Shohei Otani is going to be in the home run derby? I'm looking. I mean, this guy's doing things that really haven't been done in 100 years since Babe Ruth pitched and hit. Yes. He, listen to his stats. Hitting, he's got 19 homers, I think 47 RBIs. And 10 stolen bases with a 969 on-base plus slugging, which his OPS plus is 157. 100 is average. So he's way above average as a hitter this year. Pitching, he's 3-1 and one with a 2.7 ERA, 73 strikeouts in 53 innings oh. pitched, a 1.163 whip. And his ERA plus is 169. So very similar, 100 is average. So he's way above average as both a hitter and a pitcher. It's just amazing. It's just too bad, both because of him and when Trout comes back, that the Angels aren't on television more for the country to see him and Trout. I mean, it's amazing what Otani is doing. So I hope he does well in that home run derby. It, he has incredible power, and he can throw 100 miles an hour. It's, it's really pretty amazing. Yeah, he's the first real big-name guy to do something like that, other than obviously Ruth years ago. Like the White Sox had a guy named Jack Harshman, I remember, who was who was a, actually an outfielder or infielder originally, and then he ended up pitching for the Sox. But they didn't. he did not have a dual role here. Warren Spahn was a great hitter, but he was also mainly a pitcher. That's all. Oh, but I didn't realize. Yeah, I didn't realize Spahn was a good hitter. Gary Peters is the guy that comes to mind to me for the, the White Sox. Sox yes. Who was a he he batted uh he didn't always bat ninth in the Sox. Of course it wasn't a great White Sox lineup in the sixties. <laughs> some days Well there were a lot of banjo hitters, that's what they yeah, were. Yeah, there were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's far. right. But <laughs> I, I I remember Gary Peters was one of my favorites. Him and Joe Horland. That's a that's a good combo. Yeah, I'd like to have good a, guys. They were good players, pitchers, yeah. darn right they were. I tweeted earlier, going back to golf, I'd like to have, uh, I don't know if you've heard anything of the rivalry that's going on between Kepka and DeChambeau. Yeah. It's like, 
those guys really seem to legitimately detest each other. I tweeted this thing. There's a clip where after the the PGA, Kepka was getting interviewed, I think the next week maybe, and you can see DeChambeau, he's got these loud uh, golf spikes on, walking on the cement behind him. Kepka <laughs> notices he's there behind him and gives this look of pure hate. I mean, it's unbelievable. But I would love to have, I, I tweeted to Upper Deck's attention and Upper Deck responded with a like. I'd love to have a dual autograph card if they had like a rivalries combo thing of Kepka and DeChambeau. And how awesome would it be? I think those guys are both even if they get paired up in, in the U.S. Open. Oh, that's a big gallery. Cool. <laughs> well, they both be... both are long hitters to begin with. So yeah, he likes that. And uh, I guess it started the the whole thing started with DeChambeau takes a long time in between shots. Yeah, right? drive you batty, he would. And, and Kepka is one of those guys who likes to you know look at it, get the club, and hit it. And that started it, and now it's just kind of taken off from there. Which I think that's actually good for golf to have rivalries. Well, like I think that. you're right on that. You're right yeah. on that. Yeah, so we'll see how that how that carries on <laughs> through through golf through the ages. But I, I think it's good right now. Now, remember, I was talking about. I thought maybe uh, Russell Crowe had stopped in T Crown. I mentioned that ah, last yes. week. One of our listeners sent me in the mail a two page thing, which includes a picture of Russell Crowe with his friend. They pictured outside a restaurant, I think, in Batavia. His friend was the library manager or something, director for Batavia. And he and he writes me a note. Uh, David wrote me this note. After listening to your Saturday program, he remembers about this. Uh, Russell Crowe was there. Um, and it says... In this thing, he highlighted that the guy, when Crow was there, he said, yeah, he didn't talk much. So this guy's like, I'm sure he was in your shop. <laughs> so I think but we'll the never... mystery we don't know, you said he's only about 5'8", which uh, disillusions a lot of people. We thought he was bigger than that. Yeah, he he's not that. real tall. And yeah. and like I said, a, a guy who knew a lot about him <laughs> said that is the case, that that is about the height. I'll tell you, he drove up in a nice car, and it was at the time when he was supposedly, I think he was renting a house in Naperville. So, you know, it could have very easily stopped in. The one guy told me he thought he was a big soccer collector, so he might have come in just to see if I had any good soccer memorabilia on Unfortunately, the walls, though, which... he didn't buy anything, right? Am I right no, he, he, he didn't say a word either. So, I, you know, I couldn't <laughs> have heard that voice. Just kind of gave me the old finger wave, and, and <laughs> when he came in, walked around the place and finger wave and left. So, in my mind, it was Russell Crowe until I hear otherwise. Otherwise, yeah, there you go. I believe you. <laughs> now, Americana Steve, do you have any graded comics coming for the the Huggins and Scott fall auction or uh, summer auction? No, they're going to be in the fall auction, Tom. Uh, okay, like, like every other grading service in the world right now. They're way, way behind. Uh, their, yeah. Their stated lead time is like 89 days, and I don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's so, like that. Uh, we, we're we going to send in some good ones, but, uh, yeah, we don't expect them back until just in time for the November auction. Okay, very good. I, I've been recommending to people, don't even send cards right now unless you have something really valuable that you want to sell right away. 
just let them clear out their backlog. <laughs> don't send them things that don't really need to be graded. Don't send economy type stuff. Just really good or, or wait till it clears out. I think that's probably the best idea for grading in general. But uh, uh, it sure pays to get things graded. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I, I just think it's a good idea to let it clear out before you you send things now. And some other yeah, things. Well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, it can be the difference on some of those comic books. I mean, I'm thinking of one Spider-Man comic book in particular, uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 300, which we're going to have a couple of those. Uh, you know, ungraded, they might get $1,000, where a couple of years ago they were 300 but you get the right grade, and they're two, three thousand dollars $3,000, and if you get the top grade, you know, maybe you buy a new house with the money. Yeah, see, those are the type of things you have to be willing to pay for and do it, without a doubt. Well, we're already at the end of another episode, so... <laughs> Uh, John Drummond, thanks for sticking on a little longer. And Enjoying it as week. usual, Tom. Very, Very good. It's always fun having you on. Americana Steve, great having you on also. Keep those comic books flying into the Huggins and Scott auctions and any other Americana that might come in. Check out HugginsAndScott.com. Vince is at the Rich Harvest Farms golf outing today. He'll be back with us next week. So, Vince, maybe that that. Almost hole-in-one will actually go in, and you'll get one. There you go. (laughs) ERC Delivery, Vince's Business. And I'm at Triple Crown in Naperville from Monday through Saturday, just from 10 to 2. So give me a call if you have some items or you want to see what's in stock. I can put things on hold. Now hang in there. Stay tuned. The Odds Couple with Mike North and Carmen DeFalco. (laughs) Rebroadcast is on next. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening.